Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chip George, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector at Nutanix. Chip, welcome to the program. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks, Jason. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. We've heard this a lot over the last nine months. The coronavirus has jump-started agency IT modernization. We've also heard how agencies had to pivot on a dime to make sure hundreds of thousands of employees could work remotely. Agencies also leaned heavily on emerging technologies like artificial intelligence and data analytics in the cloud to help find solutions to a range of other challenges. Now, as agencies move into calendar year 2021, they must consider how they can take that momentum from the pandemic around IT modernization and continue to be innovative in how they're solving challenges. And that's where my guest comes in. He's gonna give us some ideas and some proven examples of how agencies can evolve their technology to support their mission and their citizen services. So once again, my guest is Chip George, the Vice President of US Public Sector at Nutanix. Now Chip, the last time we talked uh, on this show about last, uh, in terms of about a year ago on the IT Innovation Insider, we talked about IT consumption models, we talked about FedRAMP, and as kind of a starting point for security. Give me a sense, you know, when you look back over the last, you know, over the last year, calendar year 2020, did those, I'll call them predictions, if you will, did they come true? What, what's some thoughts about 2020? Yeah, I think for the most part, they did come true, Jason, but uh, oh my gosh, who could have predicted? We made those before the pandemic started, and who could have predicted uh, what we've gone through here? And I think uh, what has happened is those predictions came true, but the pandemic served to be an accelerator for almost all of them. I mean, first off, we kind of said that last year that IT assumption models would change. And as a software vendor, um, we really kind of talked about the fact that the way they would change is in uh, the subscription-based consumption being different from the way uh, customers and software vendors looked at a, at a problem that could be addressed by software in sort of a, a a, a traditional uh, perpetual license motion, right? You're going to get a piece of software, you're going to solve it, and then you pay a little bit of maintenance along the way. It's turned to, and we see this in all sorts of applications out there in the world today, right? That, that a subscription model, a year-to-year -year model. And uh, we did see that play out. We did see that play out even with this accelerant of the pandemic where people are moving both our company and uh, my last company and tons of our peers across the industry are driving to this consumption model that is subscription based, right? And cloud eventually is the move there to move some of these workloads and applications into the cloud, all subscription based there, right? And that it, it provides agility for uh, plenty of government agencies in that they can, and their subscription based on that product, and they've spent less if that's their decision. They can also budget more carefully, and certainly, and we saw it again this year with the federal budgets and continuing resolution, it's a lot of times much more stable, I'll say, to know during those CR months what exactly you're spending, because it's a, a subscription that's ongoing from last year. So that IT consumption model was sort of the first one, uh, uh, Jason. And again, me, although changed by the pandemic, I think we did see that come true. Let me jump in there for a second because I want to just touch upon that for a second. I, I, I had a really interesting conversation with the State Department Chief Information Officer, Stuart McGuigan, before he left. Uh, he, surprisingly to me, he was a political appointee, but that's a whole different story. And he talked about software as a service and how that played such a big role 
per state during the pandemic. Do you think that that the pandemic was that, uh, and I've used this before, but I think it, it works well, the killer app a lot of agencies have been waiting for to move toward this consumption-based model? Yes, I think there's two things that, that drove it. The reason we predicted it last year, because we weren't Nostradamus and we weren't predicting the pandemic, right? But the reason we predicted it, it's being driven by uh, Wall Street. This is, a, for public companies, a reporting mechanism that they want to see and they want the assurance that their investments are going to pay off, right? And if you know uh, your customer base is, is in a subscription and certain ones are going to renew, great. But what we saw and what you're talking about from the State Department is the pandemic accelerated that move, right? That SaaS in general, software as a service in general, was a quick answer, uh, for agencies when they were trying to face the challenges of, of the pandemic. Well, you know, the, one of the huge ones being this remote work and, and trying to switch on a dime to that. Well, a lot of ways to address that was to take fully baked SaaS solutions and try and get that done via that. And that's quick, right? We also saw considerations, though, for people looking at that and saying, we're trying to do that, but maybe we could do a SaaS-like experience from on-prem and making those kinds of improvements as well. But both those consumption models are SaaS and just plain subscription in general were something that was accelerated during this whole summer. The other piece to this that we talked about last year was obviously security, FedRAMP specifically. There's a law that got you know pushed through already in the, in the early part of uh, the 117th Congress, the, the FedRAMP Authorization Act to kind of put a little more to codify the FedRAMP efforts. What, what did you see during the year about FedRAMP? How has that really also driven agencies not just toward the consumption-based model, but driven agencies more toward the cloud? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, a big part of what we thought was going to happen is more consideration on the public cloud. And then, like I said, we didn't know the pandemic was coming, but when it hit, boy, that accelerated like crazy. And but for federal agencies, they can't go to the public cloud for most of their workloads unless there is uh, a FedRAMP certification in place for them. So for the civilian government agencies, they have a different level of certification, of course, than for Department of Defense and, and Intel agencies. Those are both different. But for civilian agencies, boy, we saw a ton of applications that were finished with their FedRAMP benefit from that including us. We had had a, a service that was a desktop as a service, and just by chance, we had had that done uh, right as the pandemic was coming on, and that uh, accelerated our business in that space as well, right? Trying to serve those customers that were going to jump online from home. A lot of school systems, actually, Jason, in the SLED part of our market, but also in federal at, at large organizations, they were taking advantage of that, uh, certainly. Chip, do me a favor and just define maybe desktop as a service briefly. A lot of people hear it, but so, you know, I think of it as, so I get my entire computer as a service. I have a computer. So when you say desktop as a service, give, give me a definition. Sure. It's an image, uh, right? Not a physical device, but it's an image where you're getting all your workloads and applications through a centrally controlled service. Right, and that service can can really come twofold, Jason. So it's a good question. It can come from a cloud-based and in the government FedRAMP certified service, and we have one right that we call Frame, or it can come from 
a, a virtual desktop uh, interface service that a VDI service that you're running from your on-prem data center. And uh, Nutanix has been part of that type of rollout for years. And boy, the, the, the groups that we had worked with, and it's a lot of them, that already had a VDI infrastructure that was scalable and flexible, they took a lot more advantage than they had planned to. Like that Some of the studies we've seen, right, that, that McKinsey went and looked and said, during the pandemic, did you move slower or faster given this stress of how to put everyone at home in terms of implementing cloud services and, and desktop as a service and those kinds of things? And the, they basically, 40% of the people said we moved, uh, oh, excuse me, the overall average that was that they moved 40 times faster than they expected between getting those things out there. So again, I know I went beyond defining uh, desktop as a service there, but hopefully that helps. Absolutely. And I think what's more impressive is, as you talk about that 40 times faster, that was the accelerator you talked about. And another piece to this, because we talk about cloud a little bit, is the understanding of moving workloads from the public cloud. A lot of agencies during cloud first, and you know, got to move to the cloud, got to move to the cloud. And, and as this administration uh, moved towards cloud smart, you started seeing some agencies taking a half a step back going, okay, does that really belong in the cloud? We need to make better decisions. So walk me through a little bit about the, the, this idea of bringing workloads back and what does that mean for agencies and, and how does the, what role does Nutanix play? Yeah, I'll actually talk about that, Jason, from the look back in terms of predictions we made last year and the look forward. Uh, last year, we talked about exactly what you're, you're hitting on is that we saw that people were going to consider cloud more and more. They were going to use it more. Uh, last year, we certainly weren't denying that. But we were saying that you were going to start to measure a lot more of those those apps being considered to come back on prem. Repatriation is the going word for that, right? That the repatriation patriating apps from a cloud service back onto prem because it just wasn't appropriate for that. And in the accelerant, this, this uh, uh, spring and summer with the pandemic, we certainly saw both those things, cloud, 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 and fully baked SaaS services, they seem to be getting a lot of investment, our frame service included for desktop as a service, but plenty of other apps that people were hurrying to make more available, more scalable because the demands of the, of the pandemic were on them. Some of those were looked at and people said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, I think we can serve that better on-prem. And our business throughout the summer, I mean, we saw significant uh, investment from our federal and our defense agencies, frankly, hustling to deliver cloud-like capabilities, but doing it from on-prem trying to get the things they wanted out of cloud, which is speed and agility and scale. If you have to scale out processing power, have to scale out storage, or you have to more quickly provide backup technologies, that they're doing that, but they're realizing, wait, there are ways to do that same thing I was looking for from the cloud, but doing it on-prem. And again, we've seen the demand from our customers reflect that. Generally speaking, and I know this is hard because every agency is different, every client you work with is different, but is it a cost issue or is there another issue that's really driving that repatriation back to away from the public cloud? 
Yeah, it, it is more than just cost. Although, again, that, that is absolutely a big one. There are certain ways that apps run in the cloud that turn out to be expensive. And sometimes you can't predict those things. What we've seen very quickly beyond just cost is it's the type of app. And you really have to look at your apps and sort of rationalize what kind of apps they are. Because if it is a especially dynamic app, you don't know how much it's going to use in terms of uh, uh, storage and resources and data it creates, or, or you're not going to sure how many users are going to use it at certain times. Is it going to have those spikes of use? Those are very appropriate applications to run in a cloud. But when you look at standard applications beyond just cost, sometimes there are really hard issues. There are standard applications with really high SLAs, and it's hard to understand if the performance in a cloud-based model is going to be there. It's hard to understand if you're going to have to rewrite all the networking and replatform the whole app to run it in the cloud because some of these government apps are quite old, right? And if it's static and you would have to undergo quite a bit of re-architecture, then what they've found is that the mass certainly works to run it on-prem, both for performance and cost. It's always interesting the way things kind of play out because the push for cloud was, oh, it's going to save us so much money. And then they get there and they're realizing, okay, maybe it won't. So real quick, we're just about up on the break, but let me just ask you, Chip, we had two big stories. Remote work obviously is the biggest one, the pandemic. Obviously, cybersecurity remains a big one. Uh, any thoughts about how that's going to lead us into 2021, which we're going to talk about after the break? Um, sure. I, the, the two biggest stories of the year certainly were remote work and cybersecurity. And it, we all know how that played out. We all lived through that together. I'm still working from home. I'm dialed in from home right now. Uh, so, it, yes, it, we do have some perspective on how those things are going to play out in 2021. And the quick answer, Jason, is they're going to play out by being a big part of every decision. It's not like it's going to go away. It's going to be a big part of every de decision, as, even as the pandemic winds down. All right, perfect a cliffhanger for the next segment. People have to stick around because we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use Use whatever technology stack suits them and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chip George, the Vice President for U.S. Public Sector at Nutanix. Chip, we spent the first part of the program talking about 2020 and the impacts that technology and the accelerants of the pandemic on IT modernization. Let's look forward a little bit. We know we're a couple of weeks into 2021 now, but a lot, lot still to happen. We know remote work is going to stay with us, at least for the long term, <laughs> meaning the next uh, several months, if not year. Uh, but agencies are still needing to accelerate their digital transformation. How can they do it? Where do you see this heading in 2021 and beyond? 
Yeah, in two ways uh, I'll start with, Jason. Certainly remote work, but I'll also talk about the uh, overall trend in a ongoing and, and continued emphasis on hybrid cloud environments to serve all these new applications and services that, that organizations want to uh, support and roll out new. Uh, but first off, for remote work, we, we uh, talked about the fact you just mentioned again that that is not going away in 2021. Even as the pandemic winds down, there's going to be an emphasis on uh, having people in a remote work environment. Uh, we've seen some things that have driven that, uh, basically that productivity actually went up. People were worried about just getting people at home and would they be happy and just at least getting uh, uh, somewhere near the productivity that they had had when, when they had the old model on-prem essentially. Productivity was actually higher. We saw the FAA and SEC weigh in and saying that, hey, we did some heroic work getting everyone to work at home. And then the unexpected triumph was that they were more productive and their job satisfaction went up. So we, we believe that's going to be the trend. Uh, the U.S. Air Force has weighed in for similar reasons and, and stated it for a very large agency, obviously, that uh, approximately 30% of their workforce is going to uh, continue to be remote um, after the pandemic winds down. So going forward. Right. And, uh, and and we talked a little bit about some of the technologies that will drive that. Right. If you're going to uh, have remote work, uh, you've got to have a supported infrastructure that makes it easy for people to access all the apps they need. And that is extending on virtual desktop infrastructures, VDI infrastructures. And we've done a lot of that kind of work and we're expanding that kind of work. But we believe that will continue to be a trend. We're just doing more and more of it. And beyond VDI, which typically that term is used as a service run from uh, a federal data center, you know, the, the CIO's own data center, is doing that same sort of thing as desktop as a service, as we discussed, and it, running it straight through your internet connection, a cloud service, if you will. And we believe that'll be a trend. Either way, every time you think about an application or a service rolling out, the question will be asked is, how will that be run if our, our users are remote? And the second thing is, as I said, the big trend that we're seeing is that uh, as you roll out services and applications, people wanna do that in cloud-like manners or in the cloud itself. In other words, they're gonna run hybrid cloud environments. And we've seen this commercially, Gartner has endorsed the exact same thing, that this is gonna be the predominant uh, uh, infrastructure going forward, this hybrid cloud type of environment. And the whole goal here is to give uh, the IT data center management folks right up to the CIO, uh, the same experience in managing those apps and rolling out new and key services and the same experience doing that on-premise in the cloud with speed and agility and the ability to move back and forth between on-prem and the cloud when they need to. Right? And if they can do that, if they can achieve that, they're, they're going to get a ton of savings. And every one of these groups, the uh, you know, CIOs and data center groups would tell you they are backed up with requests for new services and new applications. And that's what I'm saying. Hybrid Cloud is going to allow them to get to those things faster. All right, lots to dig out of there. Let me start with the last thing you said, which is around hybrid cloud. It's interesting that when you, when you said a lot of CIOs are getting these requests for new capabilities, do you get a sense that's because of the acceleration of IT modernization, the acceleration of capabilities from uh, the pandemic that now people are like, oh, well, if I can do that, why can't I do this? And then they ask the CIO, 
help me do this or that. And again, I'll go back to what I heard from the State Department CIO as an example. He said they had a application event where they brought in people, they were expecting 200 people and 800 showed up, again, virtually, to talk about application development. And then the whole low code, no code platform came up. It just seems like people are realizing all that technology can do for them. Yes, that's exactly right. I think uh, many of those things were accelerated. Again, I mentioned earlier that our frame desktop as a service was used a lot by school systems. And what we're seeing with school systems is they, they wanted remote access to apps they'd never thought about having uh, remotely. It was available right there for them. So that, that's just one example from the sort of sled part of the market. But we've also had customers that basically have huge troves of data, you know, petabytes of data that they wanted to get access to. They've been using it themselves, but they wanted their constituents, right, to somehow make use of this data that, that's federally held. And they've decided this is the type of data that we should give our, our constituents and citizens access to. Well, the pandemic made it so that they had to give their, their own employees access to that remotely. And that went right with saying, well, if we can do that, isn't it easier to open this up in a little bit different way with web access to that data? So again, we're part of a lot of those conversations. And I agree with you, it was accelerated because of the pandemic. The other piece of hybrid cloud I just want to touch upon briefly is this idea that agencies are going to be in this world for quite a while. Uh, we, we've talked about lift and shift over the years, and now we're talking about repatriation. Where do you see 2021 going around this cloud smart approach around this idea of, of okay, we're going to have one foot in hybrid, one foot in on-premise, or one foot in public cloud or private cloud and one foot on-premise. Where do you see this going to really push agencies more to the cloud, but in a smarter way? Yeah, the, the lift and shift is exactly what people are trying to avoid. That speaks to the uh, how hard it can be to get to cloud, right? And the the first step that that we kind of uh, uh, are in conversations with organizations about when they're looking at major cloud uh, adoption is, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to lift and shift that to the cloud and and rearchitect that in terms of both the server, the virtualization methodology, the, the uh, networking to get to my app in the cloud. Uh, some of those applications don't lend themselves to that. But first things first, if, if, even if they do, you can improve the infrastructure, the underlying infrastructure of that app today, and then give yourself the chance to say, did that achieve the speed and agility I was looking for? Or even if it did, then I can move it to the cloud much more easily if what I've done is converged and improved the operations and management of that underlying infrastructure on-prem. So improve what you've got, look at the apps that are appropriate to go to the cloud for cost concerns that we talked about earlier, then move them. And it won't be lift and shift anymore. It won't create silos of completely different operations. Like now I've lifted it and shifted it to a cloud operation. I need a cloud team to run that, which is different when, than the apps that remain in my data center with my data center on-prem team. No, we're trying to give everyone the same way to look at that and operate that. And I think that's a huge efficiency gain that we're, that we're working through with lots of people. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Something we talked about earlier a little bit. We talked FedRAMP earlier. But cybersecurity, obviously, we've seen the recent cyber breaches that's, that happened. Uh, we know agencies have to relook at how they approach cybersecurity. The, the move to hybrid cloud is going to help that. There's a lot of talk about things like SD-WAN. There's a lot of talk about better network detection and response. L let's start with the cybersecurity discussion a little bit. 
and walk me through how both the consumption model the as well as the the move to hybrid cloud is really can be underpin better cybersecurity across the entire agency network. Yeah, this uh, pandemic has certainly seen uh, an increase in cybersecurity because it moved the edge of responsibility for those agencies um, to people's homes. And they were, all, they were doing that in a bit, right? You had some small percentage of people working from home, but the stress of rolling out networks capable of having a huge swath of your work force moving from home changed the attack surface greatly. So that is going to continue that people, uh, agencies and CISOs, they're all going to want to be ready for work from home uh, in those, those situations uh, where a huge uh, percentage of the workforce is at home, even in the future, even if they're not, even if a lot of them come come back, they are going to want to be ready for that. So we believe that that concentration on cybersecurity is going to continue. And we're not a security company, uh, Jason, but what we've seen is that what we, you, you've got to respond and be, and be expecting, and we predict this year, this is going to be part of every discussion that every vendor in, that's touching the IT world is going to be in with their federal government customers is this concentration on cybersecurity. Again, the, the edge of the network uh, expanded with all those people working from home. And then we saw all these breaches at the end of the year, which in, increased the intensity for this. So even customer, even companies like us that are not necessarily cybersecurity companies per se need to have answers for this. They need to have their certifications uh, up to date and we maintain those, right? They need to, to, look at anything new they can do. We've rolled out some new things to try and make attacks harder to pull off and try and make recoveries from attacks easier. Right. And, and, you know, in harder to pull off, we're, we're kind of working. It's a, the common term is called micro segmentation. And we're basically saying, if you get into this data, it'll be harder to get to the other data because you've segmented all your data, right? You can't traverse around very easily. And then, if you do get into some of that, the way to respond a lot of times is recover. Recover to a recent copy of your data, and we've made that much more easy and integrated and secure. So again, that's the way that any company, I'm giving an example of, of ours, but our prediction is every company is going to have to be involved in that cybersecurity discussion even more so going forward. Chip, we're just about out of time. Before I let you go, I want you to give offer some insights for this next administration the biden folks are, are are getting into place we don't know who the federal cio is going to be who the federal system is going to be there's a lot that's going to be we'll, we'll know in the next three four five months what's the advice you have for them what's the thing they should focus on to, to you know maybe in the first you know 100 days we'll, we'll say yeah, it's hard to predict what President-elect Biden's going to make his his key IT policy, right? But he was part of an administration uh, with President Obama that did make IT a center of a few things. They were part of an IT efficiency push, and they were part of an innovation push. IT efficiency, what you really saw happen is they had federal data center consolidation initiatives coming out. And uh uh, those were very popular and very well supported by the president. And they had a cloud first uh, a policy on the innovation side of things, really one of the first administrations to roll out anything like that. And it was very well supported. So although we don't know exactly what the White House will do, we look forward to supporting them in that. We believe that President-elect uh, uh, Biden's experience in the Obama administration will mean that it'll probably be along some of those same lines. 
All right, if that happens, you know we'll be following it here on the IT Innovation Insider. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Chip George is the Vice President for US Public Sector at Nutanix. Chip, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate being here, Jason, thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Network, 1500 AM and federalnewsnetwork.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword NTNX.